I want you to go on a journey with me this weekend. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6 says this. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abraham said, Lord God, what can you give me? Have you ever noticed that human tendency is to ask God what he can give us? We have a tendency to frame everything. Like, what can you give, give me? Since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So the backstory to this moment is Abraham and his wife were in a position where they were super old. And they had yet to have a son who could take on the family name and continue as the heir. And it's in this moment that Abraham's having a conversation with God. And he says, listen, you, don't ha- you haven't given me the very thing that I need and, and I want. So Abraham, um, so Abraham continued, look, you have given me no offspring. So a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your own heir. Which was crazy at best because they were, like I said, super old. So he took him outside and he said, look at the sky, count the stars, and then God kind of throws his jab at him if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And then the Bible tells us that Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Today I want to speak to you from the subject stargazing, if you're taking notes. As we look at believing God for greater things in our own lives, personally, and as we prepare for this year's motion offering in a few weeks. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we need your word in our life. We need your voice in our life. And so God, right now I pray that you would speak to us. I pray our hearts would be softened. I pray the walls around our lives would, for but a moment, be put down so that we could hear what it is that you would say to us. God, I pray right now that these would be your words, not my words. That we would see you and experience you in these moments. God, we thank you for your grace. It's in your grace that we rest. It's in your grace that we talk through these things. It's in your grace that we find everything that we need. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and the church shouted. Amen. Amen. National Geographic is quoted as saying this about space. No one knows how many stars exist. But the number would be staggering. Our universe likely contains more than 100 billion galaxies. And each of those galaxies may have more than 100 billion stars. NASA and their website says this, according to NASA, and I quote, Our sun is one of at least 100 billion stars, just in the Milky Way. Scientists calculate that there are at least 100 billion galaxies in the observable universe each one brimming with stars. And then they go on to say this, which I find fascinating. There are more stars than grains of sand on all of Earth's beaches combined. That's a lot of stars. I've always been fascinated by the stars. I've always been fascinated by space, space travel in the universe. So I find it extra humorous when I read this portion of Scripture that God would propose to Abram a challenge with such great magnitude. Unless there was a lesson that God was wanting both Abraham and us to participate in. And I think the latter is true. God wanted Abraham as much as he wants us to see things from his perspective. And hear me when I say this, believe accordingly. See, God asks Abraham to change his perspective in order that Abraham may get a glimpse as to how to see how God sees. That his belief and his actions would line accordingly. Which is why the Bible indicates to us that Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. God was asking him, as he asked of us to see things in a bigger scope and and context, to believe for greater by aligning our perspective and belief so that our actions then reflect alignment with God's heart and plans. 
God asks Abraham to look at the stars and to count them in order to get Abraham to see how big God really is. And here's the truth that I want us to hear this morning. It's amazing how many times the dreams of our hearts never reflect the greatness of God's hand. I sat in some meetings over the past month or so, talking with people, people asking me a lot about vision, especially at the five-year anniversary. Everybody's like, hey, where, where are we going? What's happening with this, 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 and this? And, and, and we want to hear your heart. We want to have your vision. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> you ever had that conversation before when someone's like, hey, I want to hear this for you? And you're like, okay. Like, are you sure you want to hear what, my th- what I'm thinking? Okay. So I'm sitting there, and I'm having these meetings and coffees and lunches and conversations, and and the same thing as I would roll out vision, as I would talk about some of these things and some of these ideas that I'm going to share with you this morning, the same thing kept on happening. People were laughing. Literally. <laughs> that was about the tone of the laugh. And here's something I've discovered. If your dreams do not pe- make people laugh, they're not big enough. They're not big enough. If your dreams don't make people have an awkward giggle, (laughs) they're not big enough. And I want to charge our church with having a big vision. I want to encourage our church to go stargazing with me today. And over the next few weeks and over the next few years, and I want to go star, I want to see what God sees for this valley. I want to see what God sees for this city. And so we got to understand that that. That our hearts, the dreams of our hearts, whether it's corporately as a church or individually as people, they need to reflect the greatness of God's hand. The Bible tells us some things about how great God is. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Have you ever discovered that before? Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says this, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint. Someone needs to hear that this morning. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men may stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will will walk and not become faint. Some of us have been limping. And God's saying, no, when I'm with you, when I'm for you, because I am, you can move to running. This is the greatness of our God. Psalm 147, verse 5, our Lord is great, vast in power, his understanding is infinite. Psalm 8, 3 through 4, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingertips, the moon, and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? That's how big God is, is that he put all of this in the sky, yet he cares for you personally and individually. Think about that. That's awesome. These are just a few of the many verses that describe the power, glory, and the greatness of God. This is the God who calls us to look at the stars, to believe for greater, and act accordingly. Yet we limit ourselves, don't we? We limit the possibilities, we doubt and diminish what could actually happen if we would trust him, obey him, follow him, but God is saying, trust me, follow me, obey me, and know that I will do exceedingly and abundantly above what you could ever ask for or imagine. He is the God of infinite possibility, and he's asking us to go stargazing. 
He's saying, don't limit yourselves when I am limitless. Don't limit yourselves when I am limitless. The problem is the way that we have a tendency to look at the stars. <laughs> so let's look at a, a few ways we can do this. The first way that we look at the stars is from a tent. You ever been there before? Come on, how many of you are going to camp this summer? You're all lying. I know there's more of you. How many of you are going to camp this summer? You're going to go spend some time in a tent or glamping, whatever is your, <laughs> is your thing. Let's be honest. All the hands went up. All right, now we know what service this is. It's interesting that, that God invites Abraham. Watch how this works. Because we all know this, this position right here. This is going to get kind of weird for, hi. Um, <laughs> so God says to Abraham, there's this moment in order to get him to see. Because we all know what it's like to look through a tent, right? Well, maybe not all of us. You glampers, you don't know what we're talking about, but... For those of, us, those of us who slummed it in tents, <laughs> um, to look through a tent, you can see the stars. I mean, it's a great perspective, and I've sat out in nights where we've left this off, and I've had my kiddos next to me, and we've looked at the stars, and it's this beautiful sight, and you can kind of see it, but yet at the same time, God asks Abraham something very interesting. He says, Abraham, come outside and look at the stars. Why? Because God wanted Abraham to see it from a non-limited perspective. The tent represents a limited and contained perspective. It's a place of safety and security. While I see the stars and the vastness of space, it is limited by the four walls of my tent. How many of you know, come on, we ain't going to get the true perspective of the sky by just sitting in our tents. So the first way that we have a tendency to look at things, the first way that we have a tendency to, to envision, the first way that we have a tendency to look at the vastness of God's design and call and plan in our life is, is from, a, from a tent. And that is why God took Abraham outside, so he could look at the stars from a different perspective. God has invited us into the limitless. Listen to John 14, 12 through 14, it says this. Truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking. He says, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. How many of you know Jesus did some pretty amazing things? Then watch what he goes and says. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Greater works. That's some like, that's, that's stepping out there. Jesus said, you will do greater things. I mean, bro got up out of the grave. That's pretty great. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He opened people's eyes. Come on, somebody. He set the captives free, and he said, greater things you shall do. And it's an unfortunate reality when the church is wandering our culture and our society, living limited, when God has called us to be limitless, to be a church that makes a difference in our city, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. We serve a gigantic God. So the first way that we have a tendency to look at the stars is from a tent. The second way that we can look at the stars is from a telescope. I don't know how many of you have ever looked at a, at a telescope or through a telescope? It's pretty amazing. You, you peer through this thing over here, and I see nothing. 
It's because we're inside the tent, <laughs> the building. Um, so you look through this, and, and I've looked through telescopes before, and the, the, the vision that you see is unbelievable. I don't know how many of you have ever been to Moab before, and you stand outside away from the city, and is your breath taken like mine is? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? This week in preparation for the message, and I've just been staring at uh, pictures that the Hubble telescope and other other telescopes have taken. They're they're fascinating, breathtaking, unbelievable. But here's the problem. The telescope represents a spectating perspective. In other words, I want the perspective of an astronaut, but I'm unwilling to go and do what is necessary to go where an astronaut will go. Now, I know with every analogy, it has holes in it, because you're like, well, you know, like, it's probably an improbability that I'll be an astronaut. But come on, have you ever wanted to be one before? Like, I want to do yesterday, be an astronaut. Like, I love that idea. And the problem with the telescope is while I still get this fascinating perspective, it's still a perspective that is spectator in nature. It's a great view, but it does not compare with actually going where no one else has gone. And while I appreciate the telescope, if I'm honest, it still leaves me desiring more. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't know if you're like me, but I just hate spectating in things. When I'm at the game, I want to be in the game. You got no basketball skill. Doesn't matter. I want to be in the game. Right? Everywhere I find it, I want to be in the game. I, want, I don't want to spectate. I want to experience it at all. So then there's a third way that we can look at the scars. And uh, just to kind of hit on a little pop culture right now. I put it this way, the third way that we can look at the stars is from a Tesla. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. That's cool, right there. Elon Musk decided one day that he wanted to put his Tesla in space. His reason? Because he could. It's amazing. And inside the dashboard of his Tesla for this dummy astronaut right here, it says, there's this sign that is in there, and it says, don't panic. <laughs> it's awesome. And I've been fascinated by, by this, this man and, and reading articles on him and watching his TED Talks and everything like that. In an interview, Elon says this. He says, there have to be reasons that you get up in the morning and you want to live. Why do you want to live? What's the point? What inspires you? What do you love about the future? If the future does not include, this is him saying this, out there, uh, being out there among the stars, I find that incredibly depressing. Now, this is not a commentary about the ethics or implications of his ventures, just the attitude of his heart and desire. And then he goes on to say this, when something is important enough, you do it even if the odds are not in your favor. What if... The people of God lived, acted, and saw things the same way. What if our reason became because we can? Oh, to be the church that does what it wants because God said to and because we can. And this is actually biblical. You see it in Acts chapter 5, verses 38 through 39 when it says this. So in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or if this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is God... You will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. We have to be a people that are ready rather than reactive. We have to be a church that is responsive rather than restricted if we're going to accomplish all that God has put before us. And as I've been in prayer over this moment that's before us coming up on March 25th, 
I have sensed a greater challenge than in years past. I've read Abraham's story over and over and over again, and I have sensed that this year's motion offering had to be something that was almost unreasonable. Almost. Then I felt God challenge me, just as he did Abraham. Jason, look outside and count the stars if you can. So I went out on my deck. I looked outside. I was like, God, you've been bringing storms into Utah. There are no stars right now. (laughs) But the point still remained. Looked at the stars. And it leaves me in this place of awe. Our motion offering has always been about being able to say yes when God says go. To be able to say yes when he says move. To be able to say yes when he says build. And to be able to say yes when he says plant. So we have four major points for our motion offering this year. And over the, past, over the next few weeks, I'll be taking some time to dig into each one accordingly. As well, in a couple weeks, we'll be re- relent- uh, releasing a print piece that's going to have these four major points of reference for us to see. But I want to give us a 30,000-foot view of, of what, what it is that's before us and what it's going to take. The first one is Redemption House. Everybody shout Redemption House. If you are new here, haven't been here for a while, or haven't been around in a while, Redemption House is our church's desire, the Wells' desire, to get involved in the recovery of drug and alcohol and trafficking abuse. We are taking a stand as a church to do something about it. And I'm going to say this really strong. God did not say go into all the world and build a nonprofit. And the church for too long has abdicated its responsibility to engage socially in our generation. And for many churches, we simply are okay with leaving the light on. But we haven't been called to be Tom Baudet. Some of you will understand that. (laughs) Everybody in 25 and under is like, Google it! (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Thank you. Thank you. We're not here just to have our lights on. We're here to be a light in our generation, a city set on a hill so people understand who and how good Jesus is. And so our redemption house is what we're going to be doing is, is our hope and goal is to literally buy homes where we can stick four men and or women in those homes and take them through a redemptive process that we're putting together. It's really five-fold in nature. It's holistic approach, health, and and kind of the mental side of things, the physical side of things, but the spiritual side of things. Completely faith-based, completely Jesus-oriented, because I don't know about you, but real lasting change is not a program. It's a savior. And Redemption House is our way to say, you know what? We're putting skin in the game. We're going to do this. And so that's the first one. You hear more details about Redemption House as they roll out in this print piece that's coming. The second one is this, is the launching of our north location. All right? And uh, if you've been around, you've heard a little bit about this. Uh, Our city's growing, if you haven't noticed that. And because of that, it's increasingly more difficult for people to, we have people that come from downtown, we have people that come from Davis County, we have people that come from the east side of the mountains in Park, uh, what's up, Park City. I was going to say Park, I was going to say Park Place. Um, (laughs) Park City. We got people coming from everywhere. And at a certain point, it becomes a little frustrating to say, hey, we just want people to come to us. So we've decided we're going to take the party to them. Okay? 
We're going to take church to where people are. And so we are in the process. We were going to be having our first interest meeting in April as to who might say, man, I want to be a part of our North Launch community, and I want to make it happen. And so we're, we're doing this. Like, we're, we're going for this. We're, we're running. We're believing God for amazing things. The question is, is can we do it as a church together? So Redemption House, launching of our North location. That means we're like having a baby. It'll be fun. <laughs> the third one is this, our dwellings house build. Last year we built a house in Mexico, in Cofredia, Mexico. This year, November 11th through the 18th, we are building another one. And I hope that every single year we can keep on building. I hope that we're able to build two, build three, build four, build five, build a city. I don't know. Remember, the possibilities are limitless. <laughs> the question is, are we going to limit ourselves? And so that's happening, and it's really easy. Last year we did it. The house is $10,000, and it's really a drop in the bucket with the number I'm going to throw out to you in just a moment. But we're going to do it. And then the last one is this, the fourth thing that we're, that we're looking at is future facility provision and development for the Sandy location. Sandy's going to continue to grow. How many of you are part of our five-year anniversary? A lot, lot of you in here. Um, I heard from so many people after service, they're like, I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize. Because we can sit in our one service that we come to and not realize what's happening in our other services. And everybody came together, and now what, a, what an amazing moment. I was taken back by all that God has done. And look around right now, all right? It's, a, it's, it's full, and I know that people choose to either like not come back or they try to switch to another service, but it's really, really difficult. And I don't ever want to be a church that turns people away or people feel like they have to leave because there's not space for them. Because there is space for all of us. There is space, come on somebody, for this city, all right? And we want to be a church. We want to be a church that positions itself financially, for one, to be able to launch into the next phase of what it is that God has for us facility-wise, whatever that looks like. And we're praying and asking questions and talking to the right people as to what that potentially looks like, but we've only got five years left on this lease, and uh, we got to start making some decisions. we got to start planning ahead, and I don't know if you're like me, but I like to know that the future ahead of us is safe and secure for a lot of different reasons, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. So here's the truth that we're faced with. Our vision, the vision here at the well, is a million-dollar vision. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> now, for some of us in here, I say a million dollars, and you're like, oh my gosh, that is massive. And then... Like a few people after the, uh, <laughs> somebody who's sitting in this building right now, he kind of like took me off and he's like, yeah, I was surprised it was such a small number. I was like, cool, all right. Here's the deal. It's just a matter of perspective. It's just a matter of perspective. But it's a million dollar vision. Above and beyond what we normally do. And to be honest, it's more than that. And here's the truth now though. There's, this is where it gets a little bit rough for us. We can all get really excited about Redemption House and a new community. We can all get really excited about building houses in Mexico and get excited about the growth happening here in Sandy and the provisions needed because of it. But I have to ask, can we get equally excited when it comes to dealing with what is needed to make it happen? Because vision is great. Anyone can have vision. Anyone can have dreams. But doing what is necessary to make the vision become reality is a whole nother ballgame. 
So the question is this, what can we do in and through our motion offering this year to make the vision become a reality? I'm believing for a million dollars, 100% this year. Does that mean if we don't get it that we've somehow failed or can't do what we've set out to do? Absolutely not. It just means that we have to keep digging. But I also believe that if we don't put the vision out there, as big as it may be, then we are limiting ourselves in what is possible. And for some of us in here, you're sitting and you're going, man, that's just too small. Let's have coffee because I want to talk. <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be. This is how the church, and we can sit back. Can I like preach for a second? We sit back so many times and we look at what's happening in media and the social discourse that's happening and we have our opinions and we post our things on Facebook and we say and we point to the articles that are being said and circulated. But here's the thing that I'm wondering. When does the church decide enough with talk, I'm going to use my hands? I want to get involved and we're going to actually change some things. We're going to actually see some people healed. We're going to use Redemption House to rescue people from sex trafficking and get them off of drugs and get them off of alcohol abuse so they can run into the destiny that God has for them. Why? Because he's a redemptive God. He's a redemptive God. And as long as you still have breath in your lungs, he's not done with you. Maybe you're sitting here today, you've got a son or a daughter in addiction, or maybe you yourself have come out of addiction and you know what I'm talking about. You feel the pulse of my heart right now. Why? Because there's people that are desperate and in need of it, so let's be that church. Let's be that church. Let's not apologize. Let's be that church. The city is having their butt kicked right now. We sat with the governor's office and talked about this. Literally, and they told it, we can't give you anything, but if you can do it, go for it. To me, that's an invitation to do something. I don't want our church to rely on what the government can do or not do. I want the church to rely on what Jesus said he would do. He said he'd build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. May 25th, 1961, a quote from a book I was reading. President John F. Kennedy stood before Congress and proposed that the United States should commit to sending a man to the moon and bringing him safely back to Earth by the end of the decade. At the same time, NASA lacked the resources, infrastructure, and technology to achieve such an end, and the Soviets were already ahead of the space race. Kennedy's goal presented the nation with a seemingly impossible dilemma, a dilemma that sparked the innovation, the sacrifice, the collaboration, and the unwavering commitment to see the goal become a reality. Jesus does something very similar in Mark chapter 6, 30 through 44. There was a typo in our slides. It says Acts, it's actually Mark, but it's the right 30 through 44. So I'm reading out of Mark 6, 30 through 44, and it says this. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. I love that. The apostles came to Jesus and started bragging. Look what we've done. I want you to get this picture. They've been doing all these things. Look what what Jesus, man, man, I was preaching. Oh, I can just picture Peter. It's like I was just saying stuff. He was flying. (laughs) So good. 
Philip, he's standing in the back going, yeah, he was doing really good. <laughs> Matthew's over here, and he's like, man, these guys are knuckleheads. Knuckleheads. And Judas is, well, he's in the back. He's kind of hanging out. But there's a reason that Scripture wants us to see this. They're saying, like, look, 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 look at all they've done. So fast forward. People are coming. They're trying to do some ministry stuff. And it says, the Bible tells us that the crowds just started swarming around Jesus and his disciples. And he sat with them. He had compassion with them. Because it says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. The hour is now late. Verse 36. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages. This is what his disciples were saying and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, watch what Jesus now says. You give them something to eat. And I find it fascinating that they come running to Jesus. Look what we've done, we've done all these things. Oh man, we're just so great, we're just so good. And he says, you give them something to eat then. And watch the reply. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? 200 denarii was a man's yearly wage. 5,000 men, now we know scholars would indicate, greater studiers than I would say that with 5,000 men, because this is how they recorded it, was by men only, that the crowd would probably actually be somewhere between 12 and 14,000 people, that Jesus would then take a couple fish and a few loaves of bread, and he would disperse it to everybody. Here's the point. God will always invite us to do the impossible because with Him, anything is possible. So in closing, three things I want us to remember as we go Stargate. The first one is this. There's more to this life than me. We give, we do what we do, week in and week out, because there's more to this life than us. Mark chapter 8, 34 to 36, calling the crowd Along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Deny ourselves. When I look at the stars, I quickly realize that there's so much more to this world than me. The second thing is this, that we have to remember when we go stargazing is that legacy is the heart of God. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. God tells Abraham that the stars represented his offspring. The lineage of his name would be great. In other words, he would leave behind a legacy. I want you to hear this. The church was never meant to be generationally singular. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. And for young, if you're, if you're under 25 in here, please do not tune this out because then you can think to yourself, well, I'm just, I'm young, I can't leave a legacy yet. Can you actually live a limitless life by understanding that you gotta start thinking about this now? What do we leave to those kids who are back there? What do we leave them? What baton do we pass to them that they could run with? What type of shoulders do we produce for these kids to stand on and go further with? I look at our youth ministry over here. Some of our kiddos that are sitting over here, not kiddos, they're like preteens and teens and Snapchat people. I don't know how to say these things. 
Bible says this, don't let anyone look down on you because you were young. I know one of these little girls has already started a nonprofit of her own. It's crazy. She heard my comment earlier. She hates me now, so. But here's the deal. These guys right here, they're our future. They're our future. What are we leaving them? What are we passing on to them? What baton are we saying here, guys? Run now harder, faster. Go. Because they need us to. They need us to build something that's strong enough for them to stand on. It's about legacy. And the third one is this. It's not equal gifts, but it is equal sacrifice. It's not equal gifts, but it is equal sacrifice. Eric and I were talking about our number. We have a number. We give every single year in our motion offering. We stretch ourselves big time. This is above and beyond what we normally do in our time. We have this number in our heart. It, it's big. But we also said to each other, we said, it does it pales in comparison to the to that million dollar number. And so it's really easy to look at that because you may go, what can my gift do? And that is wrong thinking. Because your gift does everything. Because it's not about equal numbers, it's about equal sacrifice. What I have the ability to do is different than what you have the ability to do, is different than what you have the ability to do, is different than what you have the ability to do. I don't know what people's abilities are in here. I'm simply saying, here's the vision, run with it. If we're going to be the church that represents that painting on the wall out there, then we got to do it. We got to go for it. We got to be the people of God. We got to live big, think big, drive big, go hard or go home. You fill in whatever analogy you need to fill in. But man, can we be the church in this moment? So here's what I'm asking, that on March 25th, we all come together with our best gift. And I know for some of us, we've already had a few conversations. For some of us, it's a continual gift after the 25th. Whatever it may be, let's approach the 25th with prayerful consideration of what it is that I can do. And like I said, we're going to be filling in the gaps. You may have questions, we're going to fill in the gaps with our print piece and different things that are coming because we want you to see where we are going. Let's settle in our hearts today and over the next few weeks leading up to the 25th that we will be in prayerful consideration of how God would direct our giving because it's in the stretch that God is actually making room for more in our lives. Your gift matters more than you know. For some of you, you're like, still don't get that. And this is where I would just say simply trust me. Jesus looked at a widow came with just a couple coins as all these rich people gave every like gave these big sums she gave what she had and Jesus says that is the gift that represents a heart that's for my kingdom I know a different message than what you were expecting today probably but I hope that you can walk away this afternoon and go you know what I want to get in the game place of faith that God has for me.